1: Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile Hi-Fi Podcast. I am Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm
0: Doug
2: Cunnington.
1: And our special guest, tell us who you are.
2: I am Dan Manwaring.
1: Dan, we go way back. I think we met, was that like 2016 or 2017?
2: I think so. It was about four or five years ago now, yeah. Yeah.
1: Why don't you tell the story of how you and I met?
2: Yeah, it's actually a pretty embarrassing story for myself. We... Signed up for Chautauqua, and there was a Facebook group, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about Chautauqua later, but there was a Facebook group, and everyone's like, oh, I'm from here, I'm from here, and, and Carl was like, I'm from Longmont, and I was actually going for a, a work, like a three-day work meeting, and I was like, oh, Longmont, I'm like, yes, that's where Pete lives, yeah, that's where Mr. Money Moustache lives, I'm like, we gotta go up there, and so, and so I was like, hey, Carl, I was like, yeah, we'll be in town, and uh, and then, of course, Carl being Carl, who now I know him, it totally makes sense. He's like, oh, hey, we're in Longmont. Why don't you come over for dinner? And we're like, yes, this is amazing. And so, we get into Denver. We go up there and we go to his house and we're having dinner. We meet his family and we're introducing ourselves and, and just talking. And he's like... Asked me about me, and I was like, Yeah, what do you do, Carl? And why are you going to Chautauqua? And he's like, Well, I'm actually one of the speakers. (laughs) I was like, Oh, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. So I felt like a complete idiot. And, uh, but Carl was super gracious and super humble so it it all worked out
1: it's okay i I didn't remember any of that until almost right now i think you told (laughs) the same story earlier this week and i had forgotten all about that but i do remember the dumplings that yes we made at a separate occasion when we had had a dumpling party at our place
2: yep that's a party favorite
1: yeah okay let's get into it uh you are done with work when did you leave your job
2: I left my job on May thirty first, two thousand nineteen. So it's been about three and a half years.
1: Okay, I thought there were only thirty days in May, but I, I'm pretty yeah. <laughs> Forget that. Never mind. Okay, so uh, what did you do when you worked?
2: I was in medical device sales. So um, I started in pharmaceuticals, and then i I got into medical device sales. So I was in surgeries, helping the surgeons do the stuff, and working with hospitals.
0: Got it. And how did you get into like the pharmaceutical uh, sales in the beginning? And yeah, what was your like education background, all that? Uh,
2: So I, I was, I actually went to two different schools. I transferred and I ended up graduating at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. And when I graduated, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I did a couple internships, but really nothing really jumped out at me. And so Ironically, my my first job was my worst job, and I just went into a temp agency because I was, at the time, I was living with one of my friends, and I was like, I got to make some income, and so I just went to the temp agency, and I was like, hey, what do you got for me? And she's like, well, you look, you look like you could do some stuff, and so I <laughs> went to the RJ Reynolds Laboratory, which started the huge tobacco company, and It was a horrible job, but I had to clean like all the rat cages that they were doing experiments on. It was pretty terrible.
0: That sounds terrible. They make the rats smoke or something? Yeah,
2: it's like this machine and, you know, they had different levels of nicotine and smoke that they were exposed to. And it was a pretty terrible job. But the one great thing that came out of that was I met one of the guys who worked there and he used to be a former sales training uh, instructor. And so he was like, Oh, yeah, you should look into pharmaceutical sales. And he told me more about it. And he said, you, you just talk to people and you make good money. And I was like, tell me more about the make good money part. <laughs> and then so I kind of latched on to that. And it took me six months. And I, I just just pursued it extremely, extremely hard. And, uh, and then I finally got it. And then that was that. So
0: Okay. And then how'd you transition over to the medical device stuff, which sounded it sounds like maybe that was a better fit for you?
2: Uh, Yeah, well, it was definitely better than pharmaceutical sales, which was completely soul sucking. You were basically a ups driver that brought lunch to offices and you would bring you would bring Panera and they'd be like, Oh, why didn't you bring Chipotle? And, you know, it was just it was a rough, it was a rough gig. So I did that for about three and a half years. And my mentor um, went to medical device sales. And he told me about it. I'm like, well, that seems a lot more fulfilling. And so I transitioned out of that and got in with the same company that he worked for. So that was a major difference. I think I had trained for a couple months and, and I get into surgery. And then one of the surgeons turns around and is like, how does that look? I'm like, I don't know, dude, you're the <laughs> surgeon. I'm like, you tell me. <laughs> so that was a pretty big <clears throat> transition between Stand here, and I'll sign for your samples. Yeah.
0: So. He's like, hey, you want to get in here? Like, gra- grab a <laughs> knife. Or yeah, he's whatever. like, I'm going to
2: tap out. You, you got this. <laughs> wow.
1: So you said as a – when you were a pharmaceutical salesman, you were a glorified UPS driver. I think – all your Amazon packages from this point on are going to be thrown into the bushes right, or just right. your laptop will be thrown over the fence or whatever that story is. Why's is my package <laughs> on the rough? But I'm kind of intrigued by this. You were actually in the room with the surgery. So you were standing next to the surgeon or behind them, like yeah, telling yeah. them what to do.
2: Yeah. Not always. I mean, <laughs> like anything else, some surgeons are really great and they know what they're doing and some surgeons need a little more assistance or they haven't used that product before or they're unfamiliar with it so um, so I was there to just make sure everything was used according to plan okay
1: so how much training did you have to do to assist a surgeon like you're telling them what to do is it hopefully it was a little bit
2: well <laughs> it's like I a wasn't yeah I'm going to it takes clarify like two it weeks. it wasn't the whole, you know I wasn't telling them how to do the procedure but I was giving them guidance on that specific product and the length of things and what order to use things and, and flip that, like that
0: battery around. Yeah, yeah, you gotta get the polarity, right? <laughs> That's what I'm picturing
2: north side up, sir.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Take the sponge out the surgical sponge before you sew them back up, yeah. sir.
2: Dr.
0: Okay, so how many years were you doing uh, just pharmaceutical and medical device sales? So I think about oh, 15 years. Okay. And you loved it, right? <laughs> no. So how, how did you discover
2: Fi? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting and long story, but I I think I got a lot of street cred because I've had the full gamut of the financial world. I grew up pretty, I don't want to say poor, but I grew up uh, definitely less privileged than a lot of my friends and neighbors. And Uh, I had a single mom, uh, and she worked hard, but she was a social worker. So, so it was just rough, um, as far as growing up around a lot of people with seemingly a lot more money than we had. So when I did finally, finally get my first job, and I was making what I thought was just the highest money in the world, it was, I think it was like 45,000 or something. Um, But I thought I was like the richest kid ever. And so the first couple years, I bought a lot more than I should. And I had access to credit cards and all these plans of Oh, you can buy this for no interest. And it's only $100 a month, you know, for five years. And, and so I got a lot of things that I didn't need. And I felt victim to, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all the rest of it. And so, uh, even though I was making good money, I had something like $60,000 worth of debt. And uh, after four or five years of that, I was just like, what am I doing with myself? I'm, you know, mid to late 20s. And all I have to show for myself is a bunch of debt. So I got kind of lucky. And I can't remember exactly how this happened. I think I was driving at at the time I was in Ohio, and my biggest customer was in Charleston, West Virginia. And so I had like a five hour drive. And uh, so I think I came across Dave Ramsey, and I always say that Dave Ramsey is the gateway drug for fire. Uh, and so what everything he was saying made sense. And he also went bankrupt, I think. And so he kind of hit rock bottom. And I felt like I was at rock bottom. And so I just had gazelle intensity, as he says. And uh, I just kind of completely turned my life around that way. And I just worked hard. And the hardest thing to pay off was student loans because that, you, you know, I know you got something from it, but at least when you have credit cards, you're like, Oh, I can see that TV that I bought, right. But, you know, for student loans, you're just like, God, this is the worst. I don't, you know, so that was the roughest thing. Um, And after that, there was a period of, I don't know, five, six years where I just I had no debt, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I just kind of spent money on things. I didn't necessarily need, but wasn't excessive. And I still had some cash left over, uh, <clears throat> which is why I was able to quit my job in San Francisco and travel for a year um, because I did have some savings. And so I was able to do that. And that was one of the best things I've ever done, which is where I met my wife now. And then when what we What year
0: keep, was that? Sorry. 2013, I believe. Okay. 14. So you got out of debt, kind of cruising. Saving a little bit, but you're not thinking like super long term. You're just like, I want to take a break. And you took a year off to travel. Yep. Absolutely. Okay.
2: And then when we came back, we were there for a couple of years. And then we got even, we both, after you travel like that for a year, and, and you, I literally just had a backpack. Um, and when I came back, I was like, I don't need any of the stuff that I had. I mean, I didn't have that much at that point because I was in a one bedroom place with other people in San Francisco. So I didn't have that much. But when I came back, I literally got rid of half the stuff I had. And because I'm like, I was so happy for that year, and I didn't have any of this stuff. So, so I got rid of a lot. Uh, And then after a couple years, I was I had some 401k from other companies and I think I had three 401ks in three separate places and I'm like, I got to get my life together. And so I went to an endorsed local provider through Dave Ramsey and had a conversation with him. And he's like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, well, I don't want to work. I'm like, I hate work. (laughs) 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 And, uh, and I'm like, I want to stop working as soon as possible. And he, he didn't necessarily talk about fire, but we ran a bunch of scenarios and he showed me, some calculations and what I needed, which was way higher than what the fire, fire numbers are, but he showed me that it was possible to stop working before 60 or 65. And then just like a light bulb went off and I went home and I just went down the rabbit hole and started searching and, and then after that, I was like, this is totally what we're doing. That night, Cindy came home and I was like, babe we do not have to work forever i'm like check this out look at all this stuff and she was like okay yeah that sounds great so yeah
1: that's awesome and that was actually one of our questions was cindy on board so that's uh i'll bet you are completely thankful because other people and i think i'm thinking famously of the plane with fire documentary where his wife did not appreciate it and it took her probably years to come around and cindy was like okay fine we're good with it. So there was no tension whatsoever. It's just numbers. We can do it. Let's do it.
2: Yeah. And I think one of the benefits uh, to why we're so compatible is that we met, we both quit our jobs independently, and then we both went traveling. And then we met on that trip by happenstance. And so I think I always tell people that are like, looking for the person that they need to do what they love or what they enjoy and then find someone that way, because then you already have a bunch of things in common. And so when I met Cindy, she obviously did the same thing that I did. She quit her job. She was kind of fed up. She wanted to travel. She loves traveling. She was traveling with a backpack. So she's obviously pretty minimal or can be. And I think when we came back, we didn't necessarily know that we were going to be fired or we didn't know anything about that but we knew that we'd always be different and that we would work for a little bit maybe travel for two years next time and then try and quit five years early maybe we'd retire at 60 or 65 so we were always kind of in that mindset and then when we found out about fire we had
0: a purpose and a goal and so she was like yep let's do it what was the timeline like in those early days. So you probably ran some spreadsheets and you guys looked at it. So were you like, we got to do this as quickly as possible? Or how did it look? Well, Cindy works at the hospital. She's a
2: registered dietitian. And so she's she likes her job a lot more than I did. She doesn't necessarily like the hospital and all the politics there. But she I hated my job. I it was I I hated it. Um, And so I was like, I want to get there as soon as possible as fast as possible. And she she was down for that. But uh, she wasn't like driving it 100%. And so uh, I was I didn't have that much in my 401k because I at least I, I did the minimum company match was like 6%. so So I didn't have a lot. But at least we had a starting point. And then when I found out about it, we were actually kind of doing a live in flip in Tucson. And so I was like okay we're selling it at exactly two years it's it like it's going on the market just before the two-year mark and then um that really jump-started the process so i think it was like four or five years that is okay. that's how long it took got it
1: so i'm kind of curious you said you hated your job and i think about doug and i i don't think like hate is too strong of a word i actually liked the core work i did writing code Uh, Doug, I'm not sure you would have ever, did you ever actually like or enjoy what you did?
0: There were probably little pieces here and there, but the overall, I would say I disliked it very much and I hated pieces of it. So (laughs) not positive, not positive.
1: So, So Dan, my question to you is thinking back on your life now, is there something that you have done since your job or that you've stumbled upon that you would have enjoyed doing if you could? go back in time what would you have done
2: that's a great question because i think i don't know if i necessarily would have done something different with my job or any of that but i think one kind of regret in retrospect is that i i just went whole hog completely bossed the walls with a disregard for everything else but maximizing money and getting out as fast as possible and i think i I know that I sacrificed a lot to do that. And I think if I could do it, I know if I could do it again, that I would do more um, enjoying of kind of life. And I know Brandon talks about this, he kind of went away, way too aggressive, sort of towards the end. And I think I know I made some some pushes for us to make some moves and to do some things and for Cindy to do some things that I know put a lot of stress on us. And I think I was, I mean, I had a panic attack at the end. And so that's, that was the final straw, but I I know it was because I was just pushing and grinding so hard with the single mindset that it just, I sacrificed a lot to, you know, to do that.
0: Is your like personality, driven in that way where you it's like a singular focus and you don't balance that well. Yeah, I think I'm I'm
2: kind of an all or nothing guy. And which is what I did when I got out of debt. I I just it was just like whole hog, you know, all -hmm. all in. And I think that's just my personality. I'm just like all or nothing, uh, which can be good. But it's also can be very bad. And I think I I experienced the bad aspect of that towards the end. So but you know we also didn't there was no coast fire, there was no barista fire. I feel like I think a lot of those things have come from some of the lessons maybe of of me and Brandon and I'm sure other people that that just kind of went too hard and so yeah
0: can you tell us more about the panic attack or you don't have to, but yeah whatever sure. you want to well, no, share.
2: i'm I'm happy to share because if it can help someone out there and and uh then that would be amazing because uh so we basically moved three times and I, I miss mean, could be like a whole long story, but I just moved and took jobs and did things that were just like added exponential stress to my life. Like for instance, um, when I was quitting my job in Tucson, I had to stay till the end of the year to get the company match in the 401k. But Cindy had already moved to California for her job. So I was commuting. And then right when I was, which was extremely stressful to kind of balance that out, Um, and then when, when I was about to quit, and I already got another job lined up, the manager in California was like, "Hey, you know, we've got an opening coming up. It's going to be in Silicon Valley. You'll be covering Stanford. It's super prestigious, huge account, lots of money. Uh, You basically, you know, he." just sold it really hard. And again, it was like the money, it was like, more money, more money, more money. And so I was like, Okay, and then so I kind of had to balance the two jobs for a minute and then quit that one. And then right when I was stopping commuting from Arizona to California, I then had to commute from Monterey to Silicon Valley, and cover Stanford, which is like another hour, uh, hour and a half drive in in California traffic. Yeah. And so I was balancing that. And so just did a lot of things like that, that were just that just put unneeded stress on me, uh, and us. And then I convinced Cindy to leave that job and get a job in Silicon Valley, because there was more money. And so you know, she kind of had this dream kind of gig lined up um, that she was going to be a director of the hospital, like a really, really nice five star hospital. Um, so I convinced her to quit and get a job in Silicon Valley. And then we had to move and that, you know, that was all in like a very short window and, and it was all to chase the money. Cause I, I said, well, if I take this job and you get a job, we can be done in a year instead of like two or three. Hmm. And the, that was just terrible. So man, so then anyways, and then it, and then finally, like it wasn't working out because Silicon Valley is just the anti fire Yeah. <laughs> uh, to just everything that we don't believe in, you know? mass consumerism and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we just we quit, and then we moved to Arizona. And then uh, during all this was, was happening, our dog was getting old. And she was kind of just like our rock. And she was basically our kid. And I've had her I had her my whole working life. So my first job up until my last job, and we moved to back to Arizona, again, after a short period of time, and I'm like, we got to reset. And then I got a job that ended up being not that sweet and the manager quit and so just kind of left me hanging. And it was just kind of really stressful. And then we had to eventually put her down. And that hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. Yeah. And basically that afternoon is when I had the panic attack. Shit. And uh, it was it, it just I knew it would, I knew it would hurt me and I knew it would be really hard, but I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. And I just like, ball, I mean, it was just a mess. But that afternoon is when I had the heart, uh, heart attack, I felt like I was having a heart attack. Like, literally, Uh, we were driving. And I just just got flushed and had just like the classic panic attack, panic attack. And I was like, we got to go to the hospital. I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. And uh, anyways, but that was kind of the that was the last straw. And then basically, after that, uh, I just had all this other stuff happen. And, and uh, got it. Yeah. So that was just like, she was our therapy dog more than obviously I knew it. And so after she was gone, I just, I, I just snapped. Yeah, damn. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, it's so not to be a Debbie Downer, but I, but I, all the other stuff up to it is what caused all the all the stress. So I, I mean, again, if I could say anything, it would just be to not be so aggressive. Yeah.
1: Now, you're more of a Dan Downer than a Debbie Downer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so are you decompressed now? And if so, how long did it take you to decompress from all of this?
2: That's a really great question. I heard you ask someone else this. And I think, I, I wish more was talked about this because nobody really talks about it as, as much as I think they should because the there's so much information out there about the journey to fire and how to get there. And that path is, is super simple. I mean, it's super simple. It's, it's not easy. And it's, it's, it's hard to do, but it's very simple. and It's very straightforward. But once you get there, it's kind of like then what it's kind of the Wild West still and I think it's I don't know if you guys have heard that analogy when you date someone and like you love them and you know, you've had a serious relationship. It takes like twice as long as you dated them to get over them.
0: I don't know if you guys ever heard that. Yeah, I thought it was like months, but yeah. uh, I thought it was like There's two something months like or that. two years. No, no, yeah. I'm just
2: yeah. <coughs> Anyways, I, like I think it's yeah, kind of I like would. that because I've been – so I've been retired about three and a half years, and I still don't think I'm like 100%. Mm-hmm. I think uh, to my detriment, I I basically – the first three years were kind of like adult spring break. So I, I, I just had it in my mind <clears throat> throughout the whole journey, as I was super stressed that as soon as I change all these external factors, the internal part will take care of itself and it's kind of the arrival fallacy and, and it's just, it, it's just not true. And I've, I've heard like, no matter where you go, there you are. And I always thought that was so frou-frou and so dumb. And I just <laughs> laughed. I was like, you you're an idiot, but now I'm like, that was one of the wisest things you know anyone's ever said because i changed so i changed all these external things and then once i quit internally i was still the same messed up person and so i thought i had to like have all this fun which i did i mean we had an amazing time but i didn't really i I still i still have like some issues um you know like i i don't sleep as well as i should I still have some apathy that I think is related to to not being decompressed, um, and I just didn't have the capacity to kind of work on myself, and I feel like now finally I'm starting like in the past eight months, we've really started to get healthy again and started to do a lot more things that I know will that are hard or that take effort but are are beneficial, so
0: yeah and I think you're right with the decompression part of it because we're we push hard and if you're you know if you if you work hard enough to retire early significantly earlier than other people then you're usually kind of a busybody. Sure. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to just sit still and actually i have a an interview lined up with our friend david boyer who uh stopped working like a year and some change ago do you know david as well sounds rare but I steven's keep... brother okay. steven uh, boyer's brother from camp Fire
2: okay i don't i've I've never actually been to campfire all right i'm not cool enough
0: you can go all you have to do is pay money (laughs) yeah exactly it doesn't matter how cool you are but anyway we'll uh we'll be talking to david because he was in the military you know same kind of deal where very driven and then all of a sudden you have to like turn it off and he went through like a very deliberate process to like decompress which is interesting so in in carl i know some of the discussions we've had before, like you pushed hard and you were like, I shouldn't have pushed as hard. Do you have any like broad tips after what Dan mentioned?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I was talking to Dan earlier this week and the thought I've had is i I never really retired, like not even now because I, I bought these stupid houses and I continue to work on those, but I think I needed that. They were kind of a little bit of a step down from work. So I, I'm finally at peace after like five years, five and a half years of quitting my real job that I can not buy any more houses to fix up. As soon as we do these two, I'm done with it. I think it's different for everyone. I mean, Doug, that's a great question, but I think everyone has to approach it different. There's no way I could have just stopped my job and done nothing and just like hiked or something like that. I think I needed to step down a little bit and maybe really work on my other passions like learning language and music and some of these other things I'm doing now. But... Yeah, I think it's going to be different for everyone. I don't think uh, I don't think most of us, like you alluded to, Doug, can just turn it off and like step off because we're so driven. And how do you just shut that down and go to doing nothing or like watching TV or whatever?
0: And I just listened to an interview with uh, Ryan Holiday, and he mentioned that he likes to run. And as soon as you bring up like running, I'm thinking of like uh, music and. Uh, you know, languages or whatever, but he's like, I like to run, but he does it for like himself. And sure. usually when someone's like, Oh, you're running, it's like, Oh, are you training for something? And he mentioned, no, I'm not trying to like win at my hobbies. Right. So he's like, I'm not <laughs> that's, training. That's I'm, great. And I was like, yeah, like we will find a hobby, like playing music or learning a language. And we'll set up kind of like arbitrary goals to like push ourselves. Cause we just, can't fucking help it yeah and then we like pull the fun out of it instead of just like play the guitar maybe play with some friends or go on a hike with some people sure and i don't know but that that stuck with me because it's like why are you trying to win your hobbies it's a dumb thing to do
1: yeah i think that's a great point and to wrap your point up Doug, i think it's about enjoying the journey instead of the journey doesn't always have to end somewhere. You can just run for the love of running or play for, because you like to play. You don't have to work up to a marathon or a concert or open mic night or whatever. You can just do it and not have any goal at the end.
0: Yeah. And it's like, it kind of gives you permission to not necessarily suck at it. Cause like our, our goal <laughs> isn't to be bad at it, but it's like, it removes the pressure. Like it's just for you. Sure. And it's, you know, as I say it, I'm like, it's really hard to do. Cause I think, uh, we might be doing a recital. Elizabeth and I might be doing a recital. It's really for kids, oh, wow. but we're going to go, uh, Very cool. you know, crash the, the party there more on that later. I don't know if it's going to happen, but <laughs> okay, well, let's, um, let's transition a little bit. So you decompressed kind of, you're getting better at it, uh, each day. It sounds like you did travel a lot. The you know, adult spring break. So tell us about some of the travels and how long you are on the road and how many countries you've been to. I'll just open it up and you can tell us all about it. Okay.
2: Yeah. I think, as I mentioned, we both love to travel and uh, through our travels, we met some people and sort of like anything else, no matter how much you do of something, there's always someone that's done more. And for us, that's inspiring. And so uh, I, I think we are lifetime goal would be to see every country in the world. Uh, And we've met some people that have done it. And so that's pretty cool. Uh, Right? When when I quit, we actually hung out with some of our friends who own uh, a big catamaran. And so we sailed in the Caribbean on their boat for a month, which was really fun. Wow. Yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. It's kind of nice to have people that who uh, have done things that are extremely expensive that you don't have to so <laughs> they would actually be great on the podcast because they're kind of fired without the FI okay so <laughs> but but uh and then after that we we basically visited a lot of friends that we've been meaning to visit that normally we couldn't because of work so we went to Africa and we visited one of the friends that I met on on a, a, the year off trip in Namibia so she's got a running a conservancy in Namibia so we went there we visited some friends in Zurich um then we came back and then we basically been traveling kind of off and on ever since but that was the first trip and there were lots of champagne sabering (laughs) for some reason right when I was quitting I watched some episode and it was talking about sabering champagne and so we sabered a lot of cook's (laughs) champagne (laughs) that's funny so um but anyways, then after that, we've, we've been to 52 countries together. 52. Yeah. I, I think independently, we've probably been to 60 all altogether, okay. uh, each of us, but we're tracking the ones that we've been together. So we've been to 52 together last or at the beginning of this year we did uh, we bought a two month unlimited year rail pass, which was super fun. So literally every day we were on the train, we saw 23 countries in that time. Uh, we went to Oktoberfest, which was still pretty deserted, but that yeah. made it great. Um, so we, we saw a lot of countries, uh, we went to Turkey. That was one of our favorites. We spent two months in Turkey. Uh, that was great. And uh, I know you've talked to, I think the previous guests, they do trusted house sitters. Um, mm-hmm. so we kind of balance fast travel and slow travel like that. So we did two house sits in Turkey, which was about two months. So we had that fast travel and then we do some slow travel and we use the house sits as kind of a forced slow travel. So obviously we have to, and we want to take care of the animals. We love animals. And so we, it's, it's funny. All of our hosts are like, Oh, you should go here. You should go here. And then we end up never going anywhere (laughs) because we're just, not burnout but we're like we're tired we're like okay let's just have a routine let's let's cook at home let's chill yeah um yeah so and i think that's always going to be part of our plan is to is to have some fast travel and then some slow travel so
0: okay that's cool yeah i definitely dig the the slow travel and yeah the fast travel can be a little exciting but as i'm getting older I just get super tired, like really fast. A lot of the sure. activities I do end up uh, being drinking. Uh, so, yeah, that slows you down too. Yeah. Or, I mean, it could speed you up if you, you know. Yeah, yeah. You you always pay. I mean, I th- like it was like that for a while. I don't know how old you are, Dan. But at some point, I then it was obvious that I was like stealing time from tomorrow. Yeah. And um, it just fucks up my sleep.
2: Robbing fun from tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. That's my favorite quote, it, it's so true. It, I really, I don't recover either. I'm I'm probably older than you. I'm yeah. 44 now, I think. 44? 43. Close. Okay. Yeah. You're so <clears throat>
0: you're tall, so it threw me, yeah. me off.
2: Okay. Yeah, but it, but it really, you know, when you're fast travel, a you're not sleeping in the most comfortable situation. You're still like I find that it takes at least probably three days to get comfortable in a sleeping situation. So if you're fast traveling, you're not really ever getting to that, and then you throw alcohol sleep on top of that then it then it does run you down a little bit so yeah yeah yeah
1: does the you, so you don't really have a home base or would you say you do
2: it's a good question. Well, I'm trying to get a home base here, Carl. As you know, <laughs> you're supposed to help me out, buddy. <laughs> we
1: are. We are doing all we could. I'm looking around at Doug's basement. We could throw in a bucket down here because yeah. there is no bathroom yet. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah. talk.
0: We could put a urinal right over, right over there, I uh, think. or just
2: some milk jugs. I mean, something. Yeah, That's the dream. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, well, we actually kind of do have a, a somewhat of a home base. Our plans initially prior to COVID were to to fly to Asia and spend five years just out that way. But then COVID hit, which, you know, completely changed our plans. So we ended up opting to do something we had planned in the future, which was to spend time with our parents. Uh, we read that, wait, but why, I forget his name, Keith Urban? Tim Urban. Tim, Urban. Tim Urban. <laughs> Tim Urban. But his his post, the tail end really hit a chord with us. I think you yeah you've read it, right? So, uh, <clears throat> that really hit a chord with us. And so we're like, okay, let's spend time with their parents because I've definitely been away from my mom since I was in high school.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so what's the quick summary of that article? Just like the one sentence so people know what you're talking about. I've talked enough. You want to share it? <laughs> if I mess it up, you correct. It. I usually ask questions so that I, if, then I don't have to know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So generally, uh, I think like by the time you hit 18, you've spent like 99% of the time with your parents that you ever will, which, you know, when you think back now that we're, you know, when you read it, maybe you were in your 30s, like it's really obvious, like, oh yeah, like I hardly see my parents or family. It was all in the first 18 years. So if you can, while they're still healthy and alive, then, you know, go spend time with them as soon as possible because, you know, cancer, they'll get sick, everyone's getting older, blah, right. blah, blah. could be us that die, but regardless, it, it's a, that's the gist of it, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: And the other thing that kind of hit home with me was when you do see them, let's say you do see them once a year during Thanksgiving or Christmas, You're you're still so wrapped up in work that you're not, a lot of times you're not really present and you're stressing about getting there and it takes like a day to not be stressed about getting there and then you start stressing about leaving. So basically the time that you, even that small amount that you do have with them, you're not as present as you could be. Um, And then, like you said, like spend time with them when they're still fully functional and able to do things. And so, yeah, so that's a good summary. And so that kind of really hit home with us. And so we pivoted instead of going to Asia and traveling, we pivoted and we converted my mom's two car garage and when I say we, I mean we had people convert the two car garage uh, to like 600 foot studio, so oh, that wow. we could be right next to her, but not in the house. It's a it's a had small house. Space. Yeah, we so I needed cool. some space, and so so yeah. it's been you know it's that I, I would say that's so far that's been one of the highlights of being fired is to be able to spend time with her and. You know, we went bowling on a Tuesday, random Tuesday. She's retired, she's 70 something, sorry, mom. Um, And uh, so she's retired. And so just to be able to go, you know, she shops for this, excuse me, this older lady um, and she brings her groceries. And so just being able to go do errands with her on a Thursday and um, we've done some fun trips and even just to have her over for lunch and watch a movie during the day is such a luxury. And to just be present with her and to, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just incredible to, to be able to have that. So, nice.
1: So, but you still are on the road a lot. Does that ever get tedious? Are there any drawbacks or things you don't like about?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I know you've said you hate the word travel um, and you've gotten more into, or you're more into slow travel, right, Carl?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of value to staying at any place for like a month, which is impossible for us because we have kids, but long-term, post-kids, that's what we would do.
2: Yeah, I think we're still trying to figure out the perfect mixture, but we do love fast travel. Um, Excuse me. We love the randomness. Like on the URL trip, we'd... We never booked a place until we got there, and so there was a train that we were supposed to go to, and then we saw an international train, and we're like, hmm, tell me about this international train. So, we just like hopped on the international train and ended up in, uh I can't even remember, but, um <clears throat> oh, we ended up in Bratislava, Slovakia. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. I, like we love that part of yeah. it and just like the randomness and the random meetings of people. We go to some, you know, some one random craft brewery and the lady's like, oh, you should go here. And then we end up going there the next day and it's like amazing and we didn't had, you know, we hadn't planned for it. And so, you know, we love that part of it, but we also do love routine, especially now that we're getting healthy and,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and doing things like that. And so, you know, I think the plan now is to kind of, try two weeks to a month at a time when we were in Colombia, we stayed in Colombia for two months and we rented a place for a month and then we also ended up taking a couple side trips from that place and so i think that's also a possibility that, that we want to explore if we book a place for six months or a year even say in in turkey and then go to like all the stands and you know some of africa and have that as a home base you know that's also kind of attractive so I don't know if that cool. answers your question but uh yeah i mean we we also do want a home base in longmont because we love yeah. the community here so i think you know that could also be something where we're here for three months six months and then we go travel for six months and come back so we're got it yeah we're still trying to figure out the perfect mixture
0: cool well Let's uh, transition over to exercise. And you mentioned, you know, getting back into, uh, you know, fitness and health and all that stuff. So, yeah, what's your exercise routine? And, you know, maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you were struggling with. Uh, you know, you're saying you're getting healthy again. So sure. why weren't you healthy before? Well, I-
2: When we were in Tucson, when we came back from our trip in the early part of our relationship, we really got... I mean, I've always done sport. I've always played sports. I've always been active. That's always been kind of a core part of me. And there have been times when I've stepped away from that part. Uh, But when we were in Tucson the first time, we were doing tries and I did an ultra trail run um and so and then I had an injury and then uh so I was kind of away from that for a while and then the fire thing happened and so I was doing some other things and then the fire thing caused you know lots Mm of self-medicating and right and things like that and then as I said the we had like a three-year spring break (laughs) adult spring break and I I always thought, you know, that was kind of what I needed was just to like, just to let loose and and party and hang out with friends. And um, yeah, so, but that's not really that fulfilling in the long term. And there's definitely a cognitive dissonance of, you know, of who I, who I see myself as and what I was doing. And so that was a struggle. And so exercise is now back part of our routine. And so Basically, we kind of have our book, like we have the bookend part of our routines pretty much down now. So we get up, uh, we go for a walk, and actually, Pete just wrote uh, a post about this kind of some of the things. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot more out there in biohacking now, and and Cindy works for a company that is involved with that. Um, so so, anyways, we wake up we go for a walk we get some fresh air hopefully sunlight in our eyes we come back we have coffee we journal we go to the gym we go for about an hour uh, and we hit it kind of hard lifting then we come back and then uh, that's kind of our morning routine and then the nightly routine is we have dinner relatively early uh, and then we we go for like a half hour 45 minute walk We come back maybe watch like a tv show uh wrap everything up kind of by eight fifteen, eight thirty. then we shower get ready for bed read for about half hour and then go to bed so that's nice. kind of our healthy routine
1: cool what do you think people get wrong with exercise
2: <clears throat> i think they spend too much time in the gym carl <laughs> 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 no uh I, you know i don't know everyone's different i think um I don't know what they get wrong, but I think there's a lot of things that people could tweak instantly to make their lives better. Um, uh, I know you intermittent fast Carl, right? So, you know, that's kind of an easy tweak or hack that you could do to make yourself healthier. Um, I think walking after dinner is one of the big ones. Um, And Cindy's, company we haven't talked about it but she does uh blood glucose monitoring and uh so we've done some experiments with that and like another simple hack that everyone can do out there is when you have a plate of food uh whatever meal but especially for breakfast if you have just like the normal normal breakfast you have bacon eggs bread hash browns maybe juice or whatever if you eat the protein first even at that same sitting, and then you eat everything else, your blood glucose will not spike as high. Wow! Yeah, huh? It seems crazy. I mean, like literally, you don't even have to stop eating. You basically just have a couple bitefuls of uh, of, of the protein, and then eat everything else. It makes a big difference between eating just the
0: carbs first. Gotcha. And I guess would that translate? Is that only for breakfast time? No, but anytime. When Perfect. you're in a fasted state, there's a more of a pronounced. Got it. Okay, and then does that also mean, let's say I'm about to have like pasta for dinner, lasagna, for example. You, I'm fasting too, so you're talking about food, so I'm getting really hungry. So let's say <laughs> lasagna with a lot of cheese on sure. there, a lot of sausage and, and meat, and I have like a, like a protein shake beforehand. Does that have the same impact? Just get the protein first is kind of the idea? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I wish she was here because she's the expert, but, but yeah, I would say it's
2: basically the uh, whatever hits your system first i think there's the the biggest excretion of enzymes to handle that and so i mean that's the idiot okay. version answer
0: okay <laughs> that makes sense this is not financial or medical advice or right. yeah. it's not advice at all please so. consult your doctor or dietitian <laughs> yeah. okay that's cool very good
2: well I mean, what have you guys, because I'm obviously really interested in this, what have you guys experimented with and sort of found works for you in, in this department?
0: With um, in, in fitness or yeah. like food? or Okay. Well, fitness and just... Health. Health. And, yeah. Um, well, we already mentioned that the fasting is really good. I don't do it every day. Like for a little while, I was doing it every day. And then I think I realized and or heard probably on like Huberman or something that... You, you need to cycle because your body just get, gets used to whatever it is. So I'm doing it most days. And usually I won't have like my favorite kinds of breakfast, which is like pancakes and hash browns <laughs> sure. and a lot of starches and like other Lucky Charms and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. All this stuff that I love. Remember a uh, toaster strudel. I used yeah. to eat that as a like, kid every day. Pop Tarts. So, yeah. All, all the good stuff. And I think, you know, for me and in, in going to the gym, I do spend a lot of time there on some days. And if I had my way, I would probably spend like two or three hours and I just enjoy it. Like, I guess I grew up going to a gym and like, I I just like it. So I'm not trying to get out of there really fast. We're here in Colorado. So if I can walk outside or do something outside, like I'll probably do that. Like that's better than doing like fucking uh, cardio, the elliptical machine, like watching YouTube. Like I can walk outside and that's much better. Um, but I just like the habit of going. So even if it's not a great workout, if I'm really tired, if I'm just like, I'm not feeling it today, I still go. And it's like five to seven days a week. Like I'm doing something like fairly active. So it's only like a, like a travel day where I'm at the airport for most of the day when I don't do anything. And even then I'm like. I'm just going to walk up and down the concourse and, you know, just go do laps there. So, yeah. What about you, Carl?
1: Yeah. There's two things that come to mind quickly. The first one is, I remember as a kid, everything was about low fat. So, we would eat, my mom would buy like shitty sugar cereal.
2: Oh, yeah. Sure. Which
1: is probably about the worst thing you can eat. Sugar is like a drug. You eat a bowl of that and then five minutes later, you want another bowl that... So the two most supportive things for me, the first one is the de-emphasis of sugar in the diet. Like I try to avoid it pretty much altogether and fat isn't necessarily bad. So that's number one. The other one is just more of an emphasis on, you kind of alluded to this, Doug, strength training versus cardio. Uh, uh, I guess my end goal, my goal is to live successfully to an old age, meaning I don't want to have to rely on other people. So if you want to do that, you really need to get strong so you're not going to break a hip. And another side thing real quick is balance you don't want to fall over. So sometimes sure. I will do that step thing at the gym, but I'll try to I walk up real fast and then I'll stand on one leg and go down and just see like doing balance exercises like that. That probably doesn't make much sense because there's no visual. but yeah, I think strength is I can pretty sure
2: at the stairmaster, you mean.
1: Yeah, there's one thing, it looks like a mini escalator, so I'll walk up and then just use one leg or or not touch the bars or hold weights on it so I'm not steadying myself. I'm forcing myself to balance. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think everyone should do strength training. And I remember as a kid, like, oh, the only people who do that are like meatheads or whatever, like dudes who want to put on big muscles. But no, everyone should be doing that and probably starting at a pretty young age, like, in you know, maybe late teens or early 20s, because I think that's when, I was listening to Huberman, or maybe it was a tia I think it was a Tia but that it makes the most difference when you're young. So. Yeah, he's
2: great. He's got the centenarian Olympics, he says, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's genius, because I always like working backwards with the, you know, with the goal in mind and then working backwards. And so, he's basically, sort of what Carl said, he wants to be functional as far as, until he's 100. And so, yeah, that's kind of. I mean, that's a great way to, to look at it. And I think it's important because I, my mom, bless her heart, you know, she can, she struggles sitting up. I mean, not sitting up, but standing up. Mm-hmm. And so, and I mean, it's so easy to happen. You atrophy so quickly and as you age, you atrophy even quicker. Right. And so, you know, you don't use it,
0: you lo- uh, you don't use it, you lose it. So Yeah. And it happens so slowly that you don't realize it, but yeah, like getting up from the floor, I think that's one of those, like just get up from the floor. Yep. Like you just, it's so simple. Like a little kid could just pop up, but then yeah, you get old, your flexibility's off. You're start creaking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, as we're wrapping up, anything else, exercise fitness wise, you want to throw in before we wind down? I think one other good thing
2: and Carl Connor reminded me, but we've been cycling with keto. So I think keto is not, I mean, again, I'm, just an idiot in a (laughs) studio with a mic, but uh, I I think it's really important to cycle with that for even like a week to two weeks is more than enough, but you get to deplete all your glucose and all the carbs and crap and crud that you've been putting in your body. And again, I'm not the expert, she's not here today, but, Mm -hmm. but essentially you deplete your stores and you train your body to be able to use fat for energy instead of only be using carbs. So when you get the hangries it's because you don't have carbs and you're super dependent on carbs. But when you train your body, you do cycles of keto, you clean those systems out, you train your body to be really efficient at burning fat for energy and you really never get the hangries. Yeah, and, and so I think that's a that is a
0: kind of a key thing. Cool. Have you have you ever done keto or gone to that level? Yeah, I
1: have. It's it's difficult cuz uh Everything like ketchup has a ton of sugar in there, but I found it valuable too, and I think it's a great idea to cycle. You saying this has made me want to do it. I don't think it's a good; it's pretty hard to keep it up long term because hey, you're invited over mm-hmm. for dinner at someone else, and everything has carbs in it. But yeah, I, I like your idea of cycling on and off.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think even a week is plenty.
0: You know, yeah, yeah I was going to say I could, I could do a week. I have you have you ever tried it? No, no. No, no, let's let's do it. We can. We'll I get. I want a started. progress report. I know. I, I just have a little pizza upstairs. I need to finish <laughs> from the other day. But uh, other than that, I should be good to go. Um, but I, I probably will check it out, especially like you said, a week. I can handle that. And I used to be really like dependent on carbs, but I think now it would be like not a big deal at all sure. to to do. I say that, but then you know, catch me that week, and I'm like. Give me, give me the pizza. Yeah, give me bread. Give, give me, me a the fucking loaf of bread. Okay, cool. What does a perfect day look like for you?
2: So I like that question, and I, I've kind of been working towards that. And Pete, I, I, I think it was Pete. It was a, I believe it was a podcast, and someone asked him like, "What's happiness?" or, you know, "What's a perfect day?" something, something like that. And then his answer kind of really struck a chord because happiness is like the million dollar question, right? Like if everyone had a formula for happiness, like everyone would be happy or if it was easy. And I think happiness to me is doing a bunch of things that make it a good day consistently. So what I said earlier, basically waking up and and having, having coffee, having that morning routine, working out getting a physical workout, a physical exercise, um, would definitely be part of that day. And then I think having something during the day that gives you purpose and happiness, mentally, so whatever it is, learning a new language, doing photography, uh, helping volunteer, just something that brings you mental happiness and purpose. um, That's something I'm still trying to really hone in on and and figure out and then again having healthy eating so like having a healthy dinner having it early going for a walk after reading those are things that when i've done i i've just like i didn't feel euphoric and i wasn't like i am truly happy now but i when i've done that consistently like for a week maybe i'm just like you know what i I haven't really done like anything crazy but like i feel pretty happy yeah, and, and and I feel pretty good. And I think, so basically the gist of it is do a bunch of little things consistently that bring you joy. And I think that was kind of his answer. And I'm like, that's, you know, that's a great answer. And I think there is no like formula for happiness except for that. And it's, it's not necessarily easy, but it's worth it.
0: And that's a great answer. I like it as a kind of a counter. I'm curious. So you talked about clean eating and um, what, what do you eat after you cycle? through keto and you can eat whatever you want so what do you get what's your guilty pleasure food well pizza is like yeah. i would say pizza and dumplings are like
2: my number uh, i mean if i could if i could have pizza and dumplings for the rest of my life I, i'd probably like if i had to, one food it would either be pizza or, or dumplings so um and then even when i go off keto i don't necessarily go crazy wild, yeah because um, that's not necessarily good either but I would say my cheat days or, or things my guilty pleasures are definitely pizza beer obviously yeah, uh, yeah and, and dumplings I could have dumplings every day mm.
0: and I'm sorry we couldn't give you beer but it's quite early in the morning <laughs> even for for us to be drinking if only we were at an airport then it would be socially acceptable <laughs> all right Carl do you have anything else Yeah, no that's all all right Where can people find you? If there is anywhere, you could be off the radar. I don't even know. Yeah, you know, uh,
2: not to give you a long answer, but we, if I could do a little side story. So, as we were getting to FIRE and on that journey, I was like, we're going to, like, I love photography. And I was like, we're going to be influencers. I'm like, we can retire earlier. We can get free stuff. Like, And I just was like, you know, I created a blog name and I created a page, you know, Instagram handle and all this other stuff. And then as I got closer, I realized like this is just more work. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't yeah, want, you know, right. I don't want to do more work. I mean, this is ridiculous. So uh yeah, we do have we are at bigoxlittlebird.com or on Instagram bigoxlittlebird, which is also another long story, but okay. it's basically our names in Mandarin. So
0: Oh, gotcha.
2: Cool. But we don't post much, so if if anyone is listening goes there all
0: right cool we'll link it up so people can get to it and i'll check it out i have i didn't know you were into photography but i'm i'm getting into it a little bit more very cool always had a big interest so all right dan this is amazing thanks for joining us honored to be uh, here thank you yeah really appreciate it cool thanks dan thank you guys thanks for listening to the show that was the mile high five podcast and i'm doug cunnington the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person, so the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer this show is not financial or legal advice i'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it it's really just for entertainment and that's at least what we're hoping for but seriously get advice from professionals carl and i are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk so we'll catch y'all next week right dan you've been in longmont for a couple days um have you been here before yeah i've been here
2: multiple times i think this is hopefully a place that we will live eventually so we've come through probably about four times now what's your favorite part all the breweries yeah and carl's place it's it's always an adventure
1: yeah, I understand you looked at houses yesterday, and one of them was close to Wibby, one of the breweries. That might be a dangerous cool. place to live.
2: Yeah, it was, I would have loved to live there, but Mindy totally put the kibosh on it because it needed about 200 grand worth of work. So,
1: And you would probably never get to that work because you'd be at Wibby
2: all the time. Exactly. Like, like damn, and, this
1: house looks shittier than it did two years ago when you moved in.
2: And I would try and get
0: everyone to come over and help me, but they would just <laughs> stop by and Whibby instead. So. Yeah. You'll have to, um, yeah, get them to do the work before heading over to Webby. Right. It's just a promise. It's a great, great brewery. Um, any other notable breweries that you really like that you, you don't miss when you come to town? Left Hand, of course, is is always a, a
2: favorite. Um, <clears throat> I actually just went to 300 Suns yesterday, which uh, they actually have awesome food.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. They have a great uh, burger. Did you get that? I it's got the burger.
2: Nashville fried chicken, and I was warned that it was super hot, but uh, they have four levels, and I had the habanero, and the waitress said it was super hot, and I tried it, and I was like, this is pretty bland, so. Oh, really? I don't know if I have COVID, so. Is that the third? <laughs> so, congrats if I do. <laughs> yeah, we'll change
0: that mic. Uh, so, did you get the, is that the third level up, the habanero? Second. Second, okay. Yeah. Third is actually pretty hot, and I haven't gotten the hottest one. I used That's to do the poltergeist, these heat, right? I think so. I think so. Um, but the third was like legit hot. Like I was sweating a little hmm. bit. Um, I used to do heat challenges or the, like the spicy challenges oh, wow. and all that. So I have some hot sauces upstairs. That Ooh, I, I should have brought mine. I'll send you home with some and then you could tell me. Okay. <laughs> all right, cool. And then Carl, have you ever... Had the uh, 300 Suns like super hot uh, stuff there.
1: I have never even had any of their food, although I've heard, like you said, Doug, that is real good.
0: Yeah, Yeah. we'll have to check it out.
2: I think Carl's a beer
0: snob, and so that that place hasn't made it to his list yet. Yeah, you know what? Someone was trashing um, on 300 Suns, and they were trying to get me to go somewhere like the place we always go, Wibby, I think. And I was—I mean, I drink a lot of beer. The beer at 300 Suns is fine it's great yeah. um so i'm not sure why this this individual had an issue with it but the food's great the beer's good um 300 sons, if you want to sponsor us we will uh we'll do it for actually free like we're doing right now but we'll we'll do it for uh, food and beer though so okay yeah the next episode should be at 300 sons. yeah yeah there live, you go live from
2: 300 sons in the brewery that would be a great stick, actually. You guys should do all, all the breweries around here. That'd be awesome.
0: We'll just get slammed in the morning and waste away. <laughs>